Hello and welcome to another episode of the Caring Support Podcast. Here with me today is Sandra Multilva, healthcare leader and mentor. Welcome, Sandra. We're so excited to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I hope Thanks. I didn't mess up your last name too much. I was, as I was saying it, I was like, I don't think I really like checked this first. No, you didn't know. You said it perfectly. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> So we've talked a little bit in the past and um, there's been some recent developments that I saw on LinkedIn that are super, super cool. So if you don't mind, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about one of your recent posts where it says that you've been selected as a finalist for Ms. Canada 2023 (laughs) pageant that's happening on July 16th. And I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. That is super Ah. exciting. Oh, that is that is something. That is something. I it came from nowhere, right? I I just was in contact with people who did the, this, participated in the in the pageant. So I I said, you know, I I start to inquire a little bit more, and you know, they said you should be there, and these are great women, very. So I, I said, okay, so I put my name, you know, I said, I'm going to wait. But then uh, one day I was in Instagram and I saw that they were looking for participants. So I said, okay, I'm going to put my name and, uh, you know, things start to develop. And then right now I was selected as a finalist. So my course is about um, bringing uh more awareness about the lack of research and innovation uh, related to menopause, right? I am a, an advocate in, in terms of, you know, my past is as a midwife, so um, I, I am very passionate about women's health. So, yes, this is, is what I will try to, to highlight as, as my cause. Well, that's a great, great stage to display your cause on. That is so cool. When I saw that pop up, I was like, this is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It's going to be fun too, because this is completely outside of, you know, my comfort zone. So let's, let's go out and show this, uh, this issue to the world because Miss Canada is a great platform to bring these, these issues forward. Yeah, of course. There are really great causes there. Each participant has a, a, an incredible uh, humanitarian or social justice cause. So, yeah, <laughs> let's see how it goes. <laughs> That's amazing. And yeah, it gives you gives you a platform to kind of inspire, inspire, you know, the younger generation and people that are coming into healthcare and coming into research and all that kind of stuff um, to to, to use platforms like this to get their causes out there. That's amazing. And I, I think it's super cool. And um, I'm really happy that you're able to be here with us today and to share that with us. So, Thank you so much. Yes, and congratulations. I mean, you obviously, you're a finalist. Surprise. I was not prepared to answer this question, but anyway, that's fine. <laughs> well, outside the uh, the Miss Canada 2023 uh, pageant. Maybe you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, all that kind of fun stuff. Yes, so I uh, I am an immigrant. So um, immigrated in Canada in 2004. Uh, I was born in Argentina and I went to school there. I got my bachelor's in health science in midwifery. And I practice midwifery there in, in Buenos Aires, where I am from. 
many years, and I also was involved in some uh, global health um, initiatives through the World Health Organizations and other NGOs. And then in 2004, I immigrated to Canada. I went through a um, um, bridging program in order to have my license as a midwife. So I was able to uh, get registered with the College of Midwives in Ontario. And I practiced midwifery here in Ottawa uh, from 2005 to 2018. Uh, so I practiced in the community. Uh, I also deliver babies in two hospitals here in Ottawa, one at the Montfort and the other at the Ottawa Hospital, where I also serve as a chief of midwifery. I also co-founded uh, Ottawa South Midwife, so I have a great career, but uh, at one point I, I decided, okay, I would like to expand a little bit more about my leadership. So I went back to school uh, and I got executive MBA at Telfair School of Management. When I finished in 2017, I said, no, what, no, what, what am I going to do? So I started doing clinical care and uh, I started working as a consultant. And then uh, the pandemic hit and I said, and now, okay, let's see what I can take advantage of this time. And I decided to embark in finishing my PhD in organizational leadership. And um, I am very close to finish. I probably going to be defending uh, I am deserting right now and I am probably going to be defending in October. Yes, and uh, my um, PhD is in organizational leadership and uh, it is through Adelaide University in Chicago. Yeah, this is a very high over, <laughs> overview of my career. <laughs> oh, no, but that's amazing. It's it's amazing to see the steps that you've taken to get to where you are. And I mean, congratulations. You've done so much educational work and you're going to finish up another one here in October. That's that's amazing. So congratulations yeah. on that, too. Thank you. Thank you. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> because right now my life is absolutely devoted to my research. Yeah, so... <laughs> you mentioned that you immigrated to Canada and now you're living in Ottawa. Yeah. What is it like working in Ottawa? What are what are the things that you enjoy about working there, living there? Maybe you could uh, give us your favorite places to hang out, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so Ottawa is really, uh, because, you know, I come in from a very big city, which is Buenos Aires, so... Um, but, you know, Ottawa, <laughs> I have been living in another place, so I have the opportunity to travel, but I always come back. <laughs> so, it's, uh, Ottawa is, uh, is big, it's small, but also it's big, um, it has lots of diversity. It is the second diverse uh, city in, in Ontario after Toronto, so there is a nice sense of community. Um, there, there are opportunities to work, especially right now that there is more flexibility uh, from working from, from home or hybrid models. Um, also, um, you know, there are things to do right now that the pandemic um, is, uh, is over. There are more festivals. Uh, uh, there is more openness in terms of uh, activities. Um, I like also how close we are to nature, 
um, you know, we are very close. To, I am very close to the Ottawa River, uh, and also um, if I cross basically the street where I live, and I am in the middle of a, some kind of a forest. Uh, which is great to ground myself, meditate, see, see, you know, nature during the day. I am also a runner, so, um, you know, Ottawa is a safe city. And, uh, yeah, so, and uh, also, you know, it's a very good to raise a family. Um, they are good, great schools, um, wonderful universities. Some of them, they are top rank in, in the world. So, yeah, so this sense of community and uh, also fun is something that brings me always back. And the, the, the aspect of feeling safe too. Yeah. That sounds <laughs> awesome. I'm actually a transplant to Ontario. I only moved here about six years ago now. Yeah. And we moved out to, we live way out by Lake Erie. So we're way down south. I'm about six or seven hours south of Ottawa. But I haven't been to Ottawa yet. But it sounds beautiful. And I think I'm definitely going to put it on my bucket list. You have to. Come and visit me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Please. Yeah. So while you've been exploring Ottawa, you've had this amazing career. And you've actually done some work with risk management in terms of its importance in healthcare. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Why is risk management so important in healthcare? Yeah, so um, risk management is complex in every every single industry, but in healthcare there is uh, another uh, layer layered of complexity because the industry look after the well-being of people. So by definition, let's put it like risk management is a set of um, operational, clinical, administrative uh, set of uh, mechanism to prevent, assess, and mitigate harm. Uh, so in terms of um, why it's important, there are three main things that come to my mind right now. Um, one of them is about, uh, as I mentioned before, in the industry we are looking after people and uh, um, the industry, healthcare, they are humans working, right? And we are not perfect, we make mistakes. So um, it is important in that aspect to have those mechanisms to uh, a mistake or an error can cause devastating um, issues. Um, and in fact, um, there are some statistics um, for example, there is a report from CIHR 2021-2022 that says that um, of um, um, 17 states, there is one incident. Um, in the um, hospital state, there is one incident. So if we put that in perspective, there is uh, about 2.9 millions of uh, uh, hospital states in Canada. So that means 140,000 more or less uh, incidents in a year. So this is a, this is a interesting number. Uh, the other aspect is also reputational, reputational risk. Um, 
when there when there are incidents um, that damage the reputation and the trust that the community has in the organization and also hospitals or healthcare organizations need the community um, because uh, the community also is, is the main stakeholders not only for um, um, good initiatives or philanthropic initiatives but also to to bring visibility to some to the problems that are happening in the community uh, and the other aspect is financial so uh, errors can cost an organization loss of money in litigations in um, um, also um, settlements and uh, so these are the main three things that I am thinking about why it is important. Yes, so I hope I answered your question. <laughs> oh no, that was perfect. It kind of leads into the to the next question where we're going to kind of talk about the high turnover rates with nurses and healthcare workers and how that can definitely be a big factor into what you're thinking of when you're looking at risk management. So what changes do you think that healthcare organizations should be making to their leadership in order to combat these high turnover rates within our healthcare system? So, some uh, reports are saying that around 60, over 60 percent, I, I think that it might be higher, uh, organizations are um, reporting lack of uh, human resources or high turnover. And you know, you are more familiar probably because this is, is actually what you guys are doing. Um, so, obviously, this this big volumes um, related to leadership. I think that uh, this is this is showing a lack of leadership that uh, probably generated this this problem that we are having. And when I read some of those reports, I think that there is always the same people there, you know, writing this report, trying to find solutions. And uh, you are not going to, I think it was Einstein, I don't want to paraphrase him, but um, there is something that says that you cannot uh, expect something different if you are doing the same, uh, the same things. So we need different perspectives to, to lead with this, the problems that we are having right now. Um, Okay, I can talk about organization, how important is the culture in an organization, but those are things that are more obvious. But I think that we need, in healthcare right now, we need a more futuristic agenda. And when I talk about a futuristic agenda, we are saying, I am not say, saying something that uh, is between now and 10 years or five years, it's something that it is one year from now, right? It's trying to incorporate more technology, uh, have more interoperability, um, more, um, let's see, facilities for education. Um, when we are talking about education of healthcare providers, start to also incorporate technology like uh, virtual reality, augmented reality, uh, artificial intelligence in order to customize, customize the, I am also teaching in the Toronto Metropolitan University, is trying to customize uh, the needs of education to that particular provider. So 
he or she or them are going to be um, inserted or, or having a better transition when they when they start working. And for that, we need more money in education, right? Um, so yeah, it's like for them to have more facilities for student loans um, because the adoptions are expensive and uh, um, scholarships. I am a student in the USA and the amount of money that goes to healthcare education is incredible. And uh, it would be great if Canada started to adopt some of those um, strategies, like um, more facilities with the scholarships, uh, better student loans. Um, you know, if right now an student, an American student, wants to go to, to school, it's impossible to do it, you know, using OSAP. Right? Just to put an yes. example. <laughs> so, yeah, these are some of the things that uh, probably at because these changes has to come from the high, high level. Yeah. So you are working on your PhD right now, and you said you're going to be finishing that up here in the fall, but you're focusing on the reliability of research using AI for women-related health issues, which you're looking at like new technologies aimed at improving women's health care and like the advancements that we've had in recent years. Uh, specifically with AI, so artificial intelligence, when it comes to cancer diagnostics. Why are these advancements so important for women's health specifically? Yes, one of the things about AI is that uh, we know that um, AI needs re reliable data in order to function and to have what it is good AI. Um, so right now, one of the main gaps in, in health research is that it has, you know, more of the applications that are uh, in women are based in, also in men, <laughs> right, because it has not been a good differentiation of sex in, in medicine. Uh, so, um, men subjects are the, the main, uh, are the predominant population in some of those clinical trials. So um, what I am trying to um, assess is the reliability, basically expert opinion, about the reliability of AI in women's health. We are applying um, AI in, in, in women's health based probably in mainly in subjects, male subjects. So how reliable is that? Um, so yes, it has been lots of uh, evolution in terms of uh, women's health, but there are still uh, lots of work to do. Um, I mentioned menopause at the, at the beginning. It's one of the areas that has, it's like a black hole <laughs> in terms of there is minimal research and, uh, and um, they are not, the only, um, Probably the only uh, solution is uh, hormonal, hormonal replace therapy, or as a main one of the main uh, treatments for the discomforts and an issue that a menopause person um, might have. Just to put an example, um, some of the let's put it that I am encountered through my research is some of the. Um, Let's put in machines <laughs> that are being used in women for diagnostics. They are not invented by women. Uh, 
um, right? And uh, yeah, yeah, I think I've I, heard that a few times before. <laughs> yeah, so um, it would be great if we, we have more uh, biomedical engineers that are women and start to really do a complete engineering in, in elements on things that are being applied in, for women that are not friendly design. Um, I was a midwife and I was sometimes seeing things that, that or instruments um, and obviously they were not invented by women, <laughs> right? So this is something that um, I think that we need um, in terms of better innovation, to put it like that, um, and bring sand, uh, because up, 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 after oncology, there has been minimal advances in uh, women's health uh, research and issues. Well, to me, it sounds like you know, you are going to be one of these women that's going to make some of these changes or be <laughs> inspirational to some of these changes. So. I, I think it's really exciting to hear about what you're researching and the different perspective that you're going to bring into this. Because, yeah, like you hear about, you know, women saying like, oh, yeah, it must have been a man that invented such and such a tool for, you know, women's diagnostics. But, you know, we need to we need to change them up. We need to come up with different there needs to be advancements. And you're right. It's going to take technology. It's going to take finances. It's going to take all different kinds of things. And it's going to take people like you that are willing to to do the research and do the do the work and stuff too. So thank you for what you're doing. That's amazing. And before we come to the end of our podcast today, which I can't believe it's already come to the end of it as it is, is there anything else that you wanted to share with us or talk to us about today? Uh, I think that I mentioned um, before is that we need a complete switch in the leadership paradigm in healthcare because I am hearing the same the same things over and uh, despite the fact of uh, some initiatives out out there so um, so we need a little bit of more new ideas. Uh, don't be afraid of uh, disruption, leverage more technology, don't be afraid of the technology, uh, but also apply it with, uh, uh, with caution. And um, also invest more in, in education, especially for racialized people. Uh, there is something very important in healthcare that it has been researched that is called concordance. Right. So, for example, I am an Hispanic woman, woman, and uh, it would be I understand my culture. So it would be great if there is uh, also um, a more um, encouragement or more money going to going to uh, prepare uh, racialized communities to be the next generation of healthcare providers. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Sandra. It has been amazing talking with you. And I can't wait to see what happens with this Miss Canada 2023 <laughs> thing. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be like, I know her. Um, so, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, so let's see how it goes. And if not, 
okay, I I try it. <laughs> you know yeah. what? That's all anyone can do is try, put themselves out there and try. That's that's the biggest thing that we can do as as women, as entrepreneurs, as anything is just to get out there and try and you're doing it. So congratulations. <laughs> and uh, hopefully we will be able to connect with you again in the future to see where your PhD heads and what, what happens with this pageant. And uh, yeah, thank you again so much. It's been really great talking with you today. My pleasure. Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity. I wish you all the best and let's be in touch.